recently a really miffed Cristiano Ronaldo looked at the coke bottles on his press conference table and just swiped it away what happened after that was quite insane coca cola's market valuation dropped by 4 billion dollars but coca cola's market valuation was still over 200 million dollars that's the power of this corporation on today's episode we continue our corporation spotlight with me and ronny speaking about two very very famous companies and their origin stories hello hello my name is savant hey what happened to the third hello hey i'll tell you first you finish your introduction and then i'll tell you okay hi everyone my name is ronny welcome to surface scratchers so what happened is uh, i realized that the hello 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 i subliminally have copied someone so there is this one youtube uh, youtuber who i follow okay he is a reaction channel and i and this is this struck me like this week okay i was watching one of his videos and he goes like hello 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 welcome back to the channel and here i am you know every day every episode i've been saying hello 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 it's not fair <laughs> so the moment i realized it my conscience got the better of me and now i've changed the hello 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 to hello hello okay <laughs> okay but Uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery who's this guy is it is it someone worth following i i i don't know i don't want to talk about him because then you guys will judge me <laughs> he's this pakistani dude who reviews like indian desi hip hop videos <laughs> so i am going to keep the name to myself but yeah there aren't too many of them i'm sure smart listeners will figure out who this guy is so guys welcome to another episode of surface scratchers This episode is continuing our segments where we spotlight certain corporations. Episode six was it, Ronnie? Was when we did McDonald's and we spoke about the crazy origin story of how Raymond Kroc took that corporation to the absolute next level to what it is today. Today, Ronnie and I will be doing two beverage companies. But before before we get there, uh, uh, shout out to our YouTube channel. Self plugging over here. There's something that we're really proud of, uh, dear listeners. So in case podcast apps are something that don't really work for you we are available on youtube as well yes all of our new episodes will simultaneously almost launch on youtube we're working to get our past episodes there as well so okay over to you buddy right hey so i'm talking about uh, the company that i've chosen rather is something called cratting dank have you heard of cratting dang no man okay so we'll figure out what cratting dang is in a minute or so so i'll take you back savant to the 1960s in thailand where there's this guy called chaleyo yuvidya okay who's chap born to a rather poor fa- farming family who raises ducks and all of that he has a few stints as a bus driver things like that and then finally uh, you know lands a job in a pharmaceutical company that i think is run by his brother amasses some money and starts a pharma company of his own hmm so he realizes that you know uh, the energy drink market in thailand is rather untapped okay there are no local energy drinks no thai origin energy drinks all energy drinks are imported these drinks are targeted towards the rich so they are a premium brand okay so what he decides to do using a little bit of pharmacy chemical knowledge that he has develops a drink called and calls it cracking dang okay which 
is locally made and he targets it towards you know the working masses farmers and people who are lifting loads and you know the guys who actually need energy to <laughs> function and I'm not trying to demean uh, programmers and students trying to you know submit projects <laughs> uh, working late into the night but ha huh, so this is what he does and makes this thing taste a little sweet all other energy drinks in thailand were somewhat medicinal tasting type thing and to you know showcase that this one is a proper energy brand he puts the logo of a yellow colored sun uh-huh. symbolizing energy radiating swarna i'm sure it's called that in thai probably and two animals called a gaur or a indian bison mm. charging at him. you can think of, think of them as cows or bulls that go to the gym really ripped bunch of ripped guys <laughs> guys yes <laughs> so as you would have figured out uh, this crating is red in uh, thai and dang is the name for the gaur oh damn right so in 1976 this is when this guy launches crating dang in uh, in thailand mm-hmm. and it becomes a hit almost immediately because this lower strata of society or you know mm. economical brand did not exist in energy energy drink market and you know like the brand that it became later on which we know as red bull he starts sponsoring uh, athletic events like muay thai and all of that oh, okay. it becomes a big big thing so crating dang is something that's still available and pretty popular in uh, asia i had it quite a few times when i visited vietnam very mm-hmm. nice golden colored funky bottle but that's not the story we are here for today we are here for how this brand became red bull as we know it today yes so enter this austrian a uh, businessman who's the international marketing director of a toothpaste company called Blendax or something like that okay he comes to visit thailand his name is dieter mattschitz on a business trip to thailand mm-hmm. uh, trying to sell toothpaste he lands and then fit and severely jet lagged someone suggests that he should have crating dang or one can of crating uh, dang mm-hmm. gets his jet lag to fly away so he's become a huge fan and it's said that you know every day he was gulping down 7 8 cans of crating dang he on his way back to europe he bought a ton of this crating dang and tried to sell it to people in europe and tried to get them to market it or whatever no one really took on to that because the energy drink market as such did not exist after that okay so data does not give up he raises about half a million dollars comes back to thailand and convinces our old friend chaleo yuvidya okay and tells him ki you sell me 49% of the stake in your company mm-hmm. i will pro- market this drink in the in the rest of the world essentially so now data takes back this drink to uh, europe and tries launching it in austria austria is where he is from yeah right so what does he do over here he changes the entire you know modus operandi or the marketing strategy he sells it at nearly two and a half times the price of the competition so it's a premium drink right now okay he does not target it towards you know the working class or the masses or that it's towards the young crowd the party going college crowd or whatever the original crating dang is not a fizzy drink huh? it's a medicinal hmm. tonic it's like a tonic this fell ha huh. so this guy makes it a fizzy drink and calls it red bull 
रेड गॉर वुड हैव बीन अ लिटिल वियर्ड आई गेस पीपल वुडंट नो व्हाट अ गॉर इज बट हां सो दिस गाय लॉन्चेस रेड बुल एंड एंड द मार्केटिंग स्ट्रेटजी ही यूज्ड इन 1987 इज काइंड ऑफ सो द लॉन्च हैपेंड इन 1987 द मार्केटिंग स्ट्रेटजी ही यूज्ड एंड व्हिच इज व्हाट आई टिप माय हैट टू हिम is what they use even now mm-hmm. like you see these red bull cars and uh, yeah yeah people coming to college fests and all of that yes no? he did that in austria apparently got the, probably the party uh, the party center student dorms or whatever to give away red bulls in their parties that they're having in the college dorms huh. and outside clubs and all of that what he do is litter empty cans of red bull oh. on the roads and all of that to get people to think that it's selling like crazy and everyone's drinking uh, red bull uh, bartenders everyone started making drinks out of it and within the first year of mm-hmm. sales only in austria austria they sell 1 million cans wow so immense immense push behind marketing and that is the reason why red bulls so successful even today these guys don't manufacture the drink i don't think they do much in the way of distribution either okay it's purely a marketing company they make about 6 billion euros a year in sales a third of that is spent in marketing wow other companies like pepsi coke apparently say uh, maybe hmm. single digit yeah 5 7% etc so a third of the 6 billion euros are spent towards marketing and they've got a 43% global market share in the energy drink market wow so uh, this guy taking uh, cracking down bringing it to uh, europe and now they present all over the world some asian markets have both cracking down and red bull ha huh. so red bull caters towards the party going crowd or whatever cracking down is for the uh, you know entry level type you know whenever we used to have these uh, university sports competitions right there would always mm-hmm. be like a red bull vehicle that would be parked outside Correct. the campus and these really attractive college girls would be called the red bull girls would come and give you samples okay so huh. and they would always make it a point to open it and give it to you so that you know you don't take right. it back and and sell it and all and then after that you had an option of buying it and because of these really attractive girls all these bondu boys who are just after football would spend like 100 100 bucks on each red bull can red bull again is really really popular not just as a drink but as a sports behemoth yes correct yeah especially so, your favorite sport bro they there everywhere bro i was just looking this up they are present uh, across i think 70 plus sports where they have athletes that they sponsor huh? everything from sailing surfing you go to their corporate website they've very uh-huh. neatly divided the stuff that they do in sports huh? so they own teams they conduct events they sponsor mm-hmm. athletes and they have a media company wing so wow. the teams they own they have the red bull uh, and the alpha tauri formula 1 teams football uh they've got teams in i think all continents huh? they got uh, really yeah pretty much i i don't know if there there's one in uh, asia but there's definitely one in south america i think red bull brazil or something leipzig in germany red bull salzburg in austria austria new york red bulls in uh, uh, oh of course in in the us 
completely forgot about them. Yeah, they've got an ice hockey team, something in sailing, surfing, rally cross. At least they have such a sporty name that they, you know, seamlessly blend into sports. So, coming back, sports teams, they have teams in Formula 1, football, ice hockey, blah, blah, blah. They have events that they sponsor in Formula 1, rally cross. Uh, those are conventional sports. Apart from that, esports, dancing is something they do. And even, you know, Rubik's Cube solving competitions. They sponsor athletes across 70 countries participating in 75 plus sports. Okay. Uh, KL Rahul, Gurpreet Singh, Sandhu, Jihangarola, etc. from India. They have an athlete performance center where they where these people can go and I think figure out how they're doing, you know, how, how their actions are and all of that and tweak that to improve, improve that and make marginal gains for that. Uh, they have Red Bull TV, Red Bull Radio, Red Bull Bulletin Magazine and a bunch of other things like an apparel line, which is Alpha Tauri, a travel agency, a career guidance website and whatnot. It's not just uh, that one iconic small fridge at a retailer. It's much, yeah. much bigger than that. Yeah, but again, I think this this is in an effort to you know diversify sources of revenue, see if they can yes. go beyond just the energy drink thing. But what stands out for me is again, you know, the effort in just marketing that product apparently cost red bull nine cents to make mm-hmm. uh, the can of you know, red bull but they sell it at you know three four dollars or so all okay. of that is just marketing they don't do anything in manufacturing most of distributions not with them but they they built an iconic brand yes so from one iconic brand ronnie let's move on to the other one this brand, if you think Red Bull is big, this brand is valued at $240 billion. Possibly, it is It is the second most valued brand in the world right behind Nike. It is Coca-Cola. Everyone's had it. Okay, So, everyone knows about it. Everyone's tasted it. Apparently, 94% of the world has tasted Coca-Cola. That's how big they are. Wow. So, the, the origin story is very cool. So the story is about this pharmacist turned war veteran who went by the name of John Pemberton. Okay, he was born in Georgia. I think he was born in a town called Rome, Georgia. Interestingly. Oh, nice. So at age at age nineteen, he got the license to practice Thomsonian medicine, which is like you know quack herbalism. <laughs> so uh, they they usually make these things called patent medicines, which is pseudoscience, doesn't work mostly. But yeah. But a few years later, he did graduate in a degree of pharmacy to his credit. Then what happened is he was called and summoned for the civil war. Okay. I'm presuming he was on the side of the southerners because he's from Georgia. But mm-hmm. at the civil war, apparently he got shot, almost was going to die, got a dose of morphine, miraculously survived, loved the morphine to the extent that he got addicted to it. Ouch. Okay. Throughout post-war till 1885, he was on and off morphine. He was really looking for a substitute of morphine because it was really affecting him. Mm-hmm. So he had this drugstore called the Pemberton's Eagle Drug and Chemical House. Okay, Where in 1885, he registered something called the Pemberton's French Wine Coca. Pemberton's French Wine Coca Nerve Tonic, rather. Okay. Mm-hmm. This was basically a kind of a spin-off of this wine that he had called Vin Mariani, which is a French coca wine. So what's in a French coca wine, Ron? 
it's basically wine and coca extract and what comes from coca extract chocolate <laughs> <laughs> that's what escobar calls it but yeah <laughs> the original coca cola did have wine and cocaine okay additionally he added something called the kola nut kola nut is this one nut mostly found in african rainforest which is a really strong source of caffeine okay he made this cool concoction really helped him wane off morphine so that was proof enough but he started claiming it as a cure for many diseases like morphine addiction indigestion nerve disorders even impotence not jet lag though because <laughs> jet travel had not been invented otherwise you would have claimed that also that also correct in 1886 most of america passed prohibition legislations and atlanta followed suit this put pemberton under a bit of pressure because his concoction had wine so he was under pressure to make a non alcoholic version so mm-hmm. he kind of you know created this one drink for the temperance movement he replaced the wine with bags and bags of sugar mm-hmm. he also added synthetic caffeine vanilla lemon orange extract nutmeg coriander extract and made this thing he called the coca cola temperance drink Okay. That time the cola was with a K, so his buddy mm-hmm. and his bookkeeper Frank Robinson said that you have to do one thing, change it to two C's. Okay, and mm-hmm. he was an expert at marketing and advertising. His friend, this Frank Robinson, very passionate about it. Two things he said: he said change the name to Coca Cola with two C's, and use something called the Spencerian script, which was the most widely used script in the mid nineteenth century to draw out your logo. Okay. Which is cursive writing, basically. Which is cursive writing. But I like the name Spencerian script. <laughs> uh, these bookkeepers are the the brains behind the operation. Even in McDonald's, it was the bookkeeper guy who told him to convert the business to uh, land leasing and selling yes, this that's one. That's right. <laughs> Great callback to the McDonald's story. But eventually, something very strange happened. Unfortunately, Pemberton was diagnosed with stomach cancer. Ouch. So then he he figured out that he can't really take Coca Cola to the next level. He tried to sell out Coca Cola and give one third of the shares to his son Charles Pemberton, who also, by the way, became a morphine addict himself. But later on, <laughs> enough about him, and I'll come back to him. In the middle of all this uh, transferring of ownership to Charles and a couple of others, this really enterprising dude called Asa Chandler, Asa Candler rather, comes. out of nowhere and and frank in his attempt to you know sell it to a lot of good smart people tries to pitch him a little bit about coca cola this guy is completely swayed okay and he buys the rights to the formula and the name but this guy isa candler took it to the next level apparently he bought the entire company when john died in 1888 at his funeral he kind of pitched it oh. to his wife saying that dekh tere son se hone ne wala hai he's also a morphinetic <laughs> i will uphold the legacy of of your your husband and uh, the coca cola company was hence born the next philip to the story of coca cola was in 1899 okay there were these hmm. two lawyers named joseph whitehead and benjamin thomas from chattanooga tennessee they did something that took this brand to the next level you want to give it a guess they bottled it huh yes So they proposed the idea of bottling, and they were so persuasive that Candler signed a contract giving them the control of procedure for only one dollar. Candler was like, "This is not going to work. I don't care. Do whatever you want as long as I'm paid for the syrup. 
but i think soda fountains is the way forward if you guys think bottling works then go ahead and try it it's an upside for me there's no downside so yeah these guys went and bottled it the first bottle that they designed was something called a hutchinson bottle so you know i think these hutchinson bottles are now back in vogue they are these glass bottles with a wire and rubber stopper you know always in the fridge uh. We yeah, keep yeah, these yeah. bottles. So that's where the Coke was available in form, and that rubber stopper would make a like pop. a pop noise, pop noise, right? And that's how the word uh, soda pop is invented. Fun fact. And oh, also, when cool. you say now it's ten cents a pop, I think this mm-hmm. is what they mean. Ooh. But anyway, the Hutchinson bottle couldn't be scaled because it couldn't be sanitized. Uh, okay. You know, you had to clean the bottle properly and put a, a, a bottle cap because that time the bottle cap uh-huh. wasn't invented. eventually the bottle kept on graduating designs and i think in 1915 the root glass company of indiana under this designer called earl dean created what we call the contour bottle so that bottle plus the formula plus you know uh, uh, general demand increasing just set the stage for them conquering the world very interesting story about how they conquered the world this dude called ernest woodruff and this is a very important and interesting part of the story okay ernest woodruff took the company public really started mass production and his son robert woodruff was like the brain child of coca cola almost why it's now so popular in the world so he was a marketing genius under mm-hmm. his leadership for the starters they removed cocaine from the ingredients <laughs> so till 1928 cocaine was pretty much there <laughs> so instead of using the extract from the uh, coca plant what they did is in the cocaine production after the cocaine was produced the extracted leaf was used in coca cola which just makes you wonder okay. where did all that cocaine go <laughs> even today in their in their uh, formulation apparently the uh, decocained coca leaf is used that means imagine bro how much cocaine is being produced in the world <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah so this guy removed cocaine he went and he invented these metal top caps which are so iconic he started the fountain branding and he created mm. an association with sports much like your friends at red bull but the other philip in really exploding it globally was during the war okay so during the world war uh, sugar was rationed these guys at coca cola especially woodruff and all were like really concerned ki how will be production will be curtailed because sugar is <laughs> never good anything <laughs> so, uh, so they did something really smart okay they did some jugad and they classified coke believe it or not as a wartime essential so sugar was exempt for uh, uh, coke. coke okay and that time they really wanted to associate it with nationalist pride so during the war every single american gi were could buy a bottle of coca cola under 5 cents it came at a loss to the company but just think about mm. think how smart this step from woodruff was it just planted the seeds of european expansion so once this eisenhower went to meet his troops during the war and said what do you want to boost your morale They're like we want cigarettes we want candy and we want coca cola immediately eisenhower wrote to the company and asked for mobile bottling and this was the entry of uh globalization of coke and to see where it is reached right the rest is history and today it is like i said the second most recognized brand in the world some cool facts about uh, coke to end the this fun episode 
So altogether, Ronnie, around 1.7 billion servings of Coke products are consumed every day. Every day. Every day. I can't wrap my head around that. So by Coke products, you is it only the Coca-Cola black drink, is, or does Fanta no, and Sprite no, no. also Coke come? Coke products. It? Coke. Insane, okay. right? Wow. Like, of course, it depends yeah. on what you classify as a serving, but uh, still. Another fun uh-huh. fact is the modern-day Santa Claus, this really jolly, pudgy man in a red suit, was Coke's advertising genius. Before this, Santa was like a lean man in a brown-green suit, slightly older than what he even was. He was your average homeless man. <laughs> average <laughs> homeless man was slightly coked out. <laughs> Don, what I'm going to ask you next for this, this cool fact is, uh, can you name the five highest per consumption consumption per capita countries of coke in the world i'm sure the usa is there. usa is number number four must be some small country so it's only one small country no so number five is argentina okay number four is the usa hmm. number three is panama which is the small country i'm talking about huh. number two is chile and number one is mexico mexico the top two most obese countries in the world and the southernmost and poorest state of mexico they have the the highest consumption per capita at 2.2 liters per day. My God. Per capita. And there's this really nice Drew Binsky who's like this YouTube traveler around the world. His video, and we'll link it in the show notes, uh, a small little five-minute documentary of sorts about these people who consume 2.2 liters of coke per day. Wow. Insane. Yeah, and it was a Mexican government that put a syntax on the sugar content in... Snack foods really? and coke. And I'm unaware of this. They better do it because they have a massive obesity problem. They did. And Mexican coke apparently is a thing where uh, in Coca-Cola in Mexico, Coca-Cola manufactured in Mexico, they use mm-hmm. plain sugar. Coca-Cola manufactured in the USA. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. Cane sugar versus corn sugar. Cane syrup versus corn syrup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. The original Mexican cane sugar tastes, Coke tastes a lot better than better, the American version or something is what people say. Great. The average Mexican apparently drinks more Coke than the average American, British, Indian and Chinese combined. Indian and Chinese, I'm sure, are not adding too much to this number. <laughs> hey, one more cool question I'll ask you. Can you name me two countries currently where Coke is banned? Uh-huh. It used to be banned in Burma. Call back to our previous episode on history of conflicts in Burma. Uh, China and Vietnam due to embargoes. But tell, can you tell me the two countries now? Uh, the Vatican, the Pope does not like Coke. <laughs> <laughs> and Cuba. Coke does. Cuba is right. Again, sure. because of a trade embargo and North Korea because North Korea. Okay. So. Hey, was it Coke that, that, no, I think it was Pepsi. During the Cold War, it was Pepsi. So Pepsi apparently sold a lot of Pepsi to the USSR, but they couldn't take money from the USSR. The USSR gave them tanks and military equipment. So Pepsi had an army because of the sales that they made. That's the cool story of Coke. It's one of my favorite origin stories of a corporation. Just about how this morphine-addicted pharmacist-turned-war veteran created a concoction that was taken to the next level just because of bottling. 
and set the ground rules for advertising for years and centuries to come. So, brilliant, brilliant story. But kids, if you're listening, stay away from Coke. It's not good for you. <laughs> As Cristiano Ronaldo hinted in his press conference, agua. Right. So with that, guys, I think we come to the end of this episode. We hope you had fun listening to the origin stories of some beverage companies. We'll be back with more uh, in a bunch of episodes soon. Do send in your feedback, your suggestions for future episodes to surfacecratchers at gmail.com. And do also subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Ciao, ciao. Bye.